All right, welcome into another episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs with you on a Monday morning. Uh, it is Labor Day, and we're looking past the last weekend here in Major League Baseball as we get a little bit closer now, uh, inside of 30 days until we get to the end of the regular season and the postseason. And the races are heating up, not so much as in the division races, or certainly American League West that's there, but the one that we want to start off with here today uh, is the wild card. And the wild card in the National League right now is getting fantastic the philadelphia phillies are up five and a half games right now leading that first wild card the cubs with the second wild card right now they are a plus three and then it is four teams right now spilly that are tied for the final spot i love this so much i'm not one that always roots for chaos but i do love the idea of tight games the rest of the way everything matters for four teams fighting for one playoff spot and they're all sitting right now with a 5-11 Winning percentage, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Giants, and the Cincinnati Reds, none of them playing particularly well. The Marlins are on a nice little win streak. They've won four straight. But of their last 10 for all of these teams, only the Marlins are five and five. Everybody else, four and six. So it's not as if anybody is necessarily taking command of this thing. Uh, But it is getting good. And I don't know about you, Spilly, uh, but go ahead and just pick one of these teams out of a hat for me because I can't tell you who the favorite is. Yeah, I can't either. And I love it. I'm with you. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's also... You remember when when did we talk about this? Uh, end of July, I, I was like, I don't think there's going to be two teams coming out of the West. I think you might see guaranteed two teams out of the Central mm. and two teams out of the East, and then we'll figure out uh, who that other who that other team's going to be because we saw Chicago. We saw the way Chicago was playing. I was like, man, I really like Chicago. I really like Milwaukee. Cincinnati's fun. Cincinnati's dealt with so many injuries, mm. um, and the waiver wire helped them out too. Uh, being able to pick up Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. Those are nice little pickups for essentially free. Uh, No trades necessary. I I also believe while we're watching this, um, in the case of Cincinnati, I think they fall apart just because they lose uh, the loss of Matt McLean. Uh, We we know Nick Lodolo is done for the rest of the year. Um, So there's a, there's a lot of pressure on, on Hunter, Hunter Green and, and Graham Ashcraft and, and all those guys have been pitching pretty well, not Hunter Green so much, but those other guys have been doing well. Um, Andrew Abbott's been a really nice story as well. So Cincinnati's in there enough. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to shy away from them. I think in the case of the Marlins, the, the upgrades that they got at trade deadline, Jake Berger. And uh, 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 like when I was thinking about Jake Berger and what he brought mm-hmm. to, to the lineup, I was like, man, that's, that's a pretty important piece for them. Um, yeah. And so some of the trade deadline moves, you know, Milwaukee, Chicago, not trading uh, Miami, uh, the waiver wire for, for Cincinnati, like they've, they've kept all these teams in a good spot. The one team that I'm, I'm most curious, cause I'll see them this weekend is the San Francisco giants. And that's the team that is kind of a wild card out of these groups where I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. I mean, they have all these platoon advantages. They're an older team. Uh, they got a little, you know, shot in the arm with Kyle Harrison, but Harrison had a pretty bad start against the Padres where he, he got shelled. Did you see that they had to like pep talk him after, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of interesting. I was like, man, I hope he's not that fragile. Cause this is yep. baseball. Like you're going to have days where you're going to get beat up. That's okay. Like you're still good. Yep. Um, so we'll see what the giants, I, I'm not sure you're right. Pick, pick that team out of the hat, Miami, Cincinnati, the diamondbacks are making a little run again or the giants, which yeah, one I mean, of those teams is getting in. 
it's essentially comes down to who can play the best mistake-free baseball the rest of the way. I do think, as you mentioned, uh, Jake Berger and Josh Bell, right? 13 home runs between them right now, uh, both hitting really well. It seems like Josh Bell has kind of found that power stroke. The Reds haven't gotten that yet. That's way too early to even talk about it. But with Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro, I think Hunter Renfro's 0 for 9 so far uh, to start his tenure. And that's got to be really jarring for those guys, just like it has to be really jarring for the three pitchers that went to Cleveland. Right. And thinking about Matt Moore and Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, like you sit here and you get traded at the deadline. That's one thing. And then all of a sudden now uh, you get moved again. And it's that's a lot of bouncing around. It's not easy getting traded once during the season, but to do it with a month ago for a team that wants you there yesterday. Right. Like yeah. they need help right now in the Cleveland Guardians and the same thing for these other guys in Cincinnati, like they need the boost. And so I, I think with the the acquisitions for the team, for those players that came off the waiver wire, they probably need a little bit of time. And certainly for the Miami Marlins, when they made those trades at the deadline, they put themselves in a really good um, position. It's hard for me to not like the Giants, I guess, if I'm going to be forced uh, to pick one because they've done it before. They're playing that platoon advantage. They do it pretty well. But you bring up a good point regarding the pitching side of things. And the inconsistency, or I shouldn't say inconsistency, but just the way that they've worked things in that um, starting rotation and how uh, that has been somewhat of an issue for them. And so we sit there and we talked about Kyle Harrison saying, man, this this could be the answer. Right? We asked Gabe Kapler on our show, Loud Outs, we had him on last week, and I said, was this the shot in the arm? And he didn't say it exactly like this, but he essentially said, slow down. He's a rookie. Yeah, he was great but it's got to be kind of start by start and we'll keep an eye on him. 21 strikeouts and 15 and a third is really nice, uh, but coming off a rough one for him, you can't ask a guy um, to do that. We've seen these young reds with a lot of guys inexperienced kind of do it. Um, and that's one thing I think they're going to regret like crazy. Uh, I know we beat them up a little, not beat them up, but just really wanted to see them make a move at the deadline for a pitcher knowing that they were eventually probably going to run into maybe some issues. They know that Nick Lodolo is not coming back That's um, right. now. And so you look at uh, the rotation in uh, Cincinnati, and that's going to be a regrettable move. I think, I mean, they're sitting here tied with three other teams for the last spot to go to the postseason, and they couldn't find the guy. Now I'll say this, Rich Hill's not pitching well. Like if they had gotten Rich Hill, we'd be like, oh, good veteran, good ad. He's not pitching well in San Diego. Same thing with Jack Flaherty. So they could have missed. Lucas Giolito has not done well, or at least didn't do well with the Angels. So as much as I say that, the flip side of it is, well, we could have got one of those veterans. And I think at the time you would have been on, you and I would have been on board with all three of them. Hey, that's the guy. Good, good little ad there, middle back end of the rotation or Giolito probably a little higher uh, to help you out. None of those guys have done well with their new team. So I guess that's the counter argument, but I still would like to have seen them made a move. All right, let me give you a couple things. So I was just in Cleveland, so I saw the reaction after the waiver wire. I was there for it. Mm. Um, I, I will keep people anonymous. Uh, the industry was not happy about it. The industry was frustrated by it. Um, and and not so much towards Cleveland, towards the Angels. Yeah. <laughs> From people that I talked around, uh, you know, I, it was Tampa versus versus Cleveland. The people that I talked to from around the stadium and for, in both clubhouses, it was it was pretty unanimous. The Angels, what were you doing? Um, and the frustration level was, okay, like we don't mind that that a team because players go through the waiver wires all the time. That, that was like standard course. The problem is, in this case specifically, because of the rules and the way that the Guardians' record was, they were able to land three pitchers. And we, we talk about this fantasy football is coming up for a lot of people in fantasy football. You would have got your pick if you were the number one pick on the waiver wire. And then if you were trying to get player number two and three, you go to the back of the line and make sure it goes through those other teams before you got a shot to grab them. 
that needs to be in place yeah. here yep. because that that truly was unfair. Because I think Cincinnati would have picked up one of those pitchers. Um, and by the way, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez have been traded every single time together. Yeah. They got traded from Washington, Chicago, Chicago to Anaheim, Anaheim to Cleveland. Hopefully they like each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you they imagine like if they didn't? No, no doubt. I listen, we, and we talked about it in the last podcast. For me, ultimately, um, too bad. The rules are the rules, and they operated within the rules. I have zero problem with what um, the Angels did. But that nationally wild card the rest of the way uh, is going to be good. We'll see if teams regret uh, not making the moves at the deadline. Because we talk about it all the time. We go back to the World Series, the first one uh, that the Astros won with Justin Verlander. Uh, four teams that went to the championship series that year. They're all apparently at least having some kind of discussions regarding Verlander. The Astros got him. He was the difference maker. They won uh, yeah. the World Series. It matters, those deals. They don't always work out. But trying to get that piece uh, certainly does. Um, matter. All right, let's shift gears here a little bit. Too. I was going to say, let me point one thing out oh, yeah, about this wild card race, just just yeah, so yeah. You, you have an idea, because I unfortunately am traveling with the team that holds the wild card keys in their hand. Oh, nice. Don't say unfortunately. That's fun for you. You got front row seat. So the Rockies are going to either play, you know, giver or taker of your wild card chances. So right now I'm in Arizona. So the Rockies take on the Diamondbacks for three. Uh, they they just took on the Toronto Blue Jays and the, the Blue Jays snuck out of Colorado with a with a yeah. series win. The Rangers appreciate you, that as a just yep. in case right now, as do the Astros. Thank you. Uh, after this series, the Rock Show traveled to San Francisco for three, where that's been like hell on wheels. Like mm. they they do not play well in San Francisco. So this wild card race just this week in the National League, if the Diamondbacks take care of business against the Rockies, that's a series win. If the Giants take care of the Rockies uh, this weekend at home, that's another series win. And by the way, the Rockies have one of the worst franchise records on the road in their history. So it's lining up for, you know, when they say you got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Well, the Rockies are the traveling team that you need to beat. And if you're in the wild card, pay attention to the Rockies schedule right now, because it's it's lining up for some of these. It's lining up for Arizona and San Francisco to jump ahead of Miami and Cincinnati. Yeah, with the Cubs after that, then the Giants for four more uh, series against the Padres, then uh, at Chicago for three more, the Cubs again. So the the last series there, they have the Dodgers and uh, the Twins. I don't think the Twins will matter. You never know, depending on what happens in that division, if the Guardians can find a way. But absolutely, uh, right now, the Rockies are in the middle of all of that. Uh, fascinating stuff uh, as they have the Cubs for six. They have the Giants for seven. You mentioned starting that series with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. That should be fun. It's a fun place to be. And certainly for Bud Black, he wants to see the guys be competitive for teams that are fighting uh, to get to the postseason. All right, let's shift over here to the New York Yankees. And of course, we know that uh, it's been an absolute disaster of a season. A lot of eyeballs on what's going to happen. Front office, managerial, coaches, things have already been kind of moving here a little bit uh, over the season with the New York Yankees. And perhaps one of the more exciting moves is the fact that they called up Jason Dominguez, just 20 years old. Of course, big prospect number two in their system. We heard his name quite a bit in spring training after a strong spring his year got off to a slow start but has since bounced back uh pretty well uh, they just swept the houston astros in houston and the new york yankees right now and this is fascinating to look at youngest lineup they had had since 19 i believe it was 69 if yep. i'm not mistaken that i saw that post uh from them you and i talked about this before the season started and wanting them to get young doesn't exactly yep. look the way that we thought it would and would they have benefited from doing this from the very beginning i don't know but this is the position that they're in right now with Jason Dominguez in that lineup. Of course, Anthony Volpe has been there all year. Austin Wells now getting 
getting that opportunity behind the plate. Uh, Pereira, Everson, Everson Pereira is 22 years old as well. Peraza is 23 years old. Uh, this team got young really, really fast, and they just went in, and you love seeing this for young players, swept to Houston Astros, including Jason Dominguez with two S's hitting his first ever home run, did it against Justin Verlander. Well, I, I love, I mean, I love when guys have good, like nicknames. I mean, I, I still think Jordan Hicks with the Toronto Blue Jays now has the best nickname in baseball, which is the human blowtorch. Mm. Uh, the Martian is pretty sweet. Like that's, <laughs> it's great. So Jason Dominguez is the Martian because uh, he's from out of this world, right? And And I think, you know, seeing somebody with the hype, I know there was a lot of haters out there for Jason Dominguez, even, you know, when the Yankees signed him, um, you know, they they thought he was the next coming of Juan Soto, but with more power, he hadn't quite lived up to that in the minor leagues, uh, but that's okay. It doesn't matter what somebody does in the minor leagues. Like, don't give a junk about that. Uh, I want to see what you do in the big leagues. And, mm-hmm. and for some guys, like I was talking to Todd Helton two weeks ago and, and Todd was, it was in Colorado because Helton weekend and, and, you know, Rockies are making a push for him to get into the hall of fame. And I was asking him about hitting. I was like, mm-hmm. in the minor leagues, you hit okay at this one level, you hit okay at this other level. He was like, listen, Spilly hitting at the major league level becomes easier if you're a good hitter. And I was sure. like, what? And he goes, well, you know this. He was like, Spilly, you had good eyesight. You had good sp- plate discipline. When you get to the big leagues, like these pitchers are in the strike zone. When you're in the low minor league levels, when, even when you're a double A, guys spray the ball all over the place. Mm. So you can't cut the plate in half. You know, guys aren't consistent enough to, you know, throw a fastball in, change up a weight. Like you don't play the cat and mouse game when you're in the minor leagues. When you get to the big leagues, because everybody's in that in that zone, it's easier to hit. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and that's that to me is is the part that gets lost for a lot of talent evaluators and I get and I could point at the Yankees and go listen this roster clearly needed to get younger it needed to get younger the thought process of using veteran players and I and I understand there's some managers and I'm not saying Aaron Boone does but there's some organizations and some managers that prefer veteran players over younger players because they know what they're going to get even as they get older and you and I have seen this. We've seen a recent trend where it shows younger players are actually playing at a higher level than years before. And and part of that has to do with how these kids are training. Um, some of the showcases, they're just, they're, they're just used to playing a higher brand of baseball younger. Mm-hmm. And as a byproduct, if they, if they have played discipline in the lower minor leagues, it translates to the big leagues. The biggest problems that you get are the nuance of the game, base running. Throwing to the correct bit, the the correct the correct you know bases, mm-hmm. um, like the base running aspect is really a lost art form, and so there's a lot of mistakes offensively from younger players. But the Yankees just saw in a weekend that they didn't care. Like yeah. younger players don't care, and they're capable of competing against the best. They really are, and I'm I'm really glad that the Yankees did this. It also goes to show you uh, at the at this point, like I'm looking at playoff probability. CJ, you know what the what their increase in uh postseason probability was after sweeping the Houston Astros? Uh, it, went 1%. All the, it went all the way to 0.1%. Oh they're not bad. even they're not even at one full percent. They're at point one percent. 
Well, that makes sense, right? They're not going to the postseason, but you bring up a good point with younger pitchers in the minor leagues not having the command. I will probably also argue that we're seeing a little bit more of that at the big league level, right? Some of the hard throwers that get to the big leagues before they're ready, it feels like, and there's no data that I have necessarily behind it, but it feels like we're seeing um, and had for a little while there some of these harder throwers that don't have the command, um, which has been a little problem, but nothing like you're talking about what we saw in A ball and even double A uh, over the years. And, you know, I'm a believer. And if you have the right player, that yes, you can be aggressive moving him through a system. I think the case, in the case of Jason Dominguez, what you're looking for, really for any hitters, knowing the strike zone, I think going back to a little bit what you were talking about with Todd Helton, 83 walks for him uh, in the big leagues. Now, excuse me, in the minor leagues, 13 plate appearances so far in the big leagues, uh, no walks. Nolan Shunawell, who's been such an unbelievable story for the Angels. He was their first round pick this year, 11th overall, and he didn't come out of a huge conference. Florida Atlantic University Conference USA, but this guy obviously was a great hitter, knew the strike zone. He gets 97 plate appearances at three levels in the minor leagues this year and he's got 21 walks 21 walks in his 97 plate appearances so they call him to the big leagues what's going on there 56 plate appearances 10 walks to six strikeouts for the first time that he has seen big league pitching 273 429 on the on base uh, he is getting it done he hasn't hit his first home run yet just one extra base hit in there a couple rbis but he he knows the strike zone right so that certainly i think is really encouraging um to see right now so i'm with you as far as moving guys along they're getting a little excited here uh in texas right now because white langford the fourth overall pick uh in this past draft out of the university of florida uh is tearing up the minor leagues he just got moved up to double a um, as well, but same thing for him, a guy that knows uh, the strike zone so far, 19 strikeouts, excuse me, 19 walks to 21 strikeouts. He's hitting 340 uh, in 120 plate appearances. And so some of these hitters more advanced and moving along. I get why sometimes executives are a little hesitant to do it, uh, but you bring up a great point. Once you get to the big leagues, you're going to see, yes, the best pitching you have seen, but also the most controlled pitching that you have seen. And if you're a good hitter, you'll certainly be able to handle it. Well, and the, and I think the, the last kind of business side of this too, CJ, you know, where organizations don't want to start the clock on young players. And it's one of the things that drives me the craziest over the course of, of watching a player's career is why most guys never make it past three years of, of major league service time. Yeah. Most guys rarely get it to make it to arbitration. Most guys rarely get to free agency. Most guys rarely get to 10 years service in, in, in history. Mm -hmm. So why, what is the fear of starting clocks on players? You have a 40 man roster. You can use the roster up and down. You just count the options. And in the, in the, in any case, like not everybody can be a big leaguer. Not everybody can do it consistently. And mm -hmm. that's okay. That's okay. Um, and most guys are actually better. The first, like first turn through the league versus second or third. It's like, like a pitcher facing a hitter the first time advantage mm -hmm. pitcher. Um, there's advantages for hitters that have not seen the league before advantage hitter. So I, I just think there's, there needs to be a reset on how I think organizations value players and understanding that um, I'm not trying to age out any players, but it just, it's, it can prove to you that giving players a shot earlier on can help you sift and sort the guys that are going to make it or not without the fear of starting their clock too early. Cause we're going to keep them for 10 years. You're not most organizations don't even keep you through arbitration. Yeah. The, and you've heard that, right? Like the, yeah. the major league average career is less than three years. That's the average major league career. Why? Because nobody wants them to get to arbitration.
Yeah, no, you're right. And it's part of the challenge. We know for all young players trying to get there and make the real kind of life changing money that could be available to those who can stick in the big leagues uh, once you start to get to those arbitration years. All right. Last one real quick before we uh, get out of here. We're all looking forward to the Atlanta Braves visiting the Los Angeles Dodgers, a four game series in L.A. And even though both of these teams are pretty confident as far as what their postseason destination is going to be as division winners in the National League East and the National League West, uh, the Atlanta Braves put on a show. Uh, against the Dodgers, taking the first uh, three games, close games, 8-7, uh, 6-3, 4-2 in extra innings, and then they dropped the final one. Uh, three to one to the Dodgers. And so the Dodgers able to get that last one. Charlie Morton had a little bit of a rough one. Perhaps he blames us because he was also on loud outs uh, last week. But uh, anything to take away from uh, this series? I felt like intensity wise, you know, people wondering, well, it doesn't really matter. It always matters, Billy, right? Uh, when you're out there and you got those uniforms on and you're kind of almost measuring up a little bit, something that could be a really big uh, postseason matchup. There's a lot of data to be gained. There's a lot going on there, I think, uh, for pitchers with the at-bats and vice versa and what you're trying to get firsthand information. You can read it and watch video all day long. Let me get in the box and see it. Let me get on the mound and see reactions to my pitches. All of those things matter. It got to happen over a four-game series. Uh, the Atlanta Braves take four, excuse me, three of four uh, from the Dodgers in L.A. In one of the hardest places to win, that's a lion's den. I mean, that is a place where you do not want to go. Uh, it's like LSU. It used to be Death Valley was the place to go. Now it's not, LSU football stinks. Uh, anyways, I, I just think when it comes to the Braves, they're rolling, man. They already had 90 wins. That that offense is legit. Um, we saw Ronald Acuna, which had a pretty interesting weekend. He got married uh, on Friday. They left Colorado Thursday night. Landed in uh, in in LA at like two in the morning. He got married in the morning. Uh, um, the story goes, uh, his wife and his kids were were having some visa um, problems, and so they they decided to get married early on, and so they did it. And so now now they're <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about his family uh, not being able to stay. So pretty cool for Ronald, and and of course he hits his grand slam. He's a first player uh, in Major League history with thirty home runs and over sixty stolen bases. It's crazy. He's one of one. And then beyond that, Max Fried pitching on Saturday looked dominant. Mm. Um, the bullpen looked pretty good for for Atlanta. I, I don't think this, and you and I, I, I don't want to say a regular season four-game series at Dodger Stadium is any indicator of what's going to happen in the postseason if it does happen. But it's at least a good confidence builder. And, and Atlanta's gone into Dodger Stadium before, back in 2021. It's one of my favorite uh experiences as a broadcaster I've ever had was covering that National League Championship Series. The Dodgers-Braves was was fantastic. And that was the year that they had Max Scherzer. Um, and, and that was when Scherzer ran out of gas in the in the Dodgers series uh, because he pitched so well in the Giants series, the previous one. So um, I don't, I, I still think Atlanta is the favorite to come out of the National League. Uh, the Dodgers are still fantastic. Um, I think there are some concerns. Though, if you're a Dodgers fan, um, what is your starting rotation going to look like? Because I don't think it holds up. Uh, without Tony Gonsolin and Walker Bueller is getting closer through a, a rehab start was pretty good there. Um, but that's, that's the one problem that the Dodgers have is their starters are just not, they're not as good as they have been in the years past. Yeah, it's you're right. And I think that is probably the one concern. They certainly have been devastated 
by injuries. You wonder about rest maybe leading into the postseason for them. That is certainly one of the many benefits uh, to having the big lead. Can they do that? Was that something that could be effective? If you remember a few years ago, Max Scherzer had said that actually that he felt like that worked against his stamina come postseason time and trying to uh, kind of set his schedule and control his schedule a little bit more and, and save some uh, of that arm. But I got to say for most, probably uh, not a bad idea. So I bet you would see that a little bit as it gets closer. But we'll continue tracking the craziness of the National League uh, wild card. By the way, huge series starting today for uh, the Texas Rangers with the Astros in town. They played on Sunday night baseball uh, yesterday, so no doubt got in a little bit late day game here this afternoon uh, in Arlington. Not sure if you watched any of that game on ESPN, but they only had seven in-game interviews. That was it. Just seven. Uncle, my gosh. That's it? I, just, I want to watch the game. I just want to watch the game. just want to watch the game. Please. I just want to just... have it open. Oh, I just want to watch the game. Anyway, um, good stuff. Lots going on around Major League Baseball. Spilly and I will be here with you uh, both on the podcast and on MLB Network Radio, 2 to 5 Eastern time. Uh, most days, loud outs on MLB Network Radio. Make sure you catch us there. Make sure you uh, set our podcast up for your alerts, your automatic downloads. Subscribe, like, share. We certainly would appreciate it. Thank you, as always, to listening to Negative War, Positive Vibes. Have a great day wherever you are.